thankful, so thankful. Uh, I was in a service several years ago that uh, there was a word that went forth that said someone has a fear of cars because a car fell on you. Okay, that's pretty specific, right? And uh, no one responded. The person said, man, I feel really strong. This word, again, someone has a fear of cars. That happened three times. Finally, on the third times, a guy stepped forward and he said, well, I guess it's me, but it wasn't a car, it was a Jeep. Well, come on, listen, if the Lord gets anywhere close to your neighborhood, just say, come on, Lord, it's me. Come on, come on in. Amen, it's me, it's me. So uh, I do feel like I'm on an, on an assignment this morning. I'm thankful for your pastor who'd said, hey, come, come, was in uh, Louisville this uh, weekend uh, at Evangel World Prayer Center down there participating in a conference and uh, doing some teaching and things there, and I said, hey, that's close to Bedford. What a great opportunity to... Uh, make it up the road and see my friend and get to meet you and to be part of the worship and uh, the great atmosphere in this house today. So uh, I, I believe in, in the assignment that the Lord has to me. I, I'm going to relate it to a few years ago. I was uh, in the Philippines, and uh, while I'm preaching underneath a uh, kind of like a youth camp tabernacle type building, as I'm preaching, there begin to be a strong wind blowing. Now you'd think, well, we're Pentecostals, right? So that's the rushing mighty wind, except it was more like a storm was starting. And I turned around and looked at the host, and he just said, keep preaching, keep preaching, keep preaching. So I just kept preaching. And the wind was blowing, and I started seeing the roof doing this. And I looked, turned around and looked at him again. He said, just keep preaching. So I just kept preaching, and eventually the whole roof just flew off of the tabernacle that we were under. And uh, that was when I decided to stop preaching, and we headed for cover, by the way. Uh, it's amazing how the Lord will lead you at that moment uh, that it was time to stop. And so we stopped. But, th but since then, I've been to the Philippines many times. Since then, they'll say, oh, you're the preacher that lifts the roof off. Well, today I really felt like the Lord stirred me and said, hey, I want you to, I want you to lift the roof off and not of your building. I hope not because it's a beautiful building. But I, I want the Lord to lift the roof off of our mindsets and lift the roof off of some attitudes and lift the roof off of some limits and some, some preconceived ideas that you thought, you know, could God do that? Could God be that big? Could he really come through in that way? The answer is yes, God can do anything. God can do anything. I want you to stand, if you will, today for the reading of God's Word. The scriptures, I believe, are on the screen. If they're not, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read three verses here right at the first of Matthew. Three different places to just take a thought. How many know it's good to honor God's Word today? And the fact that we can build and, and anchor our lives upon it. And then not just anchor, but we can go. We can move forward. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 one verse here says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now we know this is the story, of course, of Jesus coming to earth, being born to a virgin. And we read a verse like this and we think, okay, so Joseph takes Mary as his wife. But again, if you think about the context of that, and you think about the challenge of that, and you think about all the implications of that, and you think about that he was inclined to put her away and all of the social uh, challenges of the day, but the Lord speaks to him and says, no, 
don't do it, and he does it. Everyone say, he did it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 14. When he, this is Joseph, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Now, now, now the Lord is doing something in Joseph's life where God is speaking to him in, in primarily in the form of, of dreams or in the middle of the night. God's speaking to him, and Joseph does it. Everyone say, he did it. I mean, he, he and, and again, we, we've got to kind of just think for just a moment, the, the challenge of, yeah, my fiance's pregnant, but it's a virgin birth. Now you want me to leave my country, leave my home, leave my, my, my regular place where I live, my place where I have a life, my place where I can make a living, and now you want me to go to a new place, a new country, a new co- and pack up and go to Egypt. But he did it. Verse 21 of chapter 2, then he arose, he being Joseph again. It's interesting. So now they've went to Egypt, and it says, and he took the young child and his mother, and he came into the land of Israel. So again, the Lord speaks to him, and he goes, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Father, we thank you today for your word, the power of it, and it's going to change our lives and lift the roof off of our thinking, our ability, our dreaming, and our expectation for you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's an old song that says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I mean, have you ever, have you ever met a Christian that's forgotten that we're supposed to be happy people? You know, I've discovered that everybody brings joy, some when they arrive, some when they leave. But I just want to be a person that when I show up, I can bring some joy. I can, I can bring, why? Because joy is one of the components of the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom of God arrives and it says it's in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there ought to, there ought to be some, some joy, but, but it goes right along with happiness. You say, well, I'm not a happy person. Well, but let the joy of the Lord come alive in your heart and, and believe in, in your life that God can do more than you could ever ask or think or imagine. And the foundation of that old song of there's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey, to trust and obey. Part of the question I want to ask you today is, is what does your obedience game look like? What does your willingness to say, God, I'll, I'll do, I'll step out, I'll be who and what you're calling me to be. Your, your pastor and, and wife and family made a huge move to come, made a huge move to come to a new place, getting ready to be three years that they're celebrating as being your pastors. And thank God, how many thank God for your pastors and love your pastors and honor your pastors. But you know what? A huge step of obedience. Bedford's a great place. Cornerstone's a great church. But a huge step of obedience to come and to take a step of faith and go, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we'll do that. But more importantly, I want all of us to be saying, yes, Lord, on Monday. 
and yes, Lord, on Tuesday, and yes, Lord, on Thursday, and on Saturday of this week, and going, yes, Lord, what have you told me to do? Yes, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? Yes, Lord, what do you want me to start? What do you want me to believe for? Because what's my obedience game like? As I want to share with you today, the title of the message is Developing the Heart of a Conqueror. Developing the Heart of a Conqueror. Listen, your life is not destined to be just a life of being in the down and out, but your life is destined to be of the up and in and to be in the hope of God and the hope of his kingdom. I just, I just heard a testimony this week of a, uh, or this weekend actually down in Louisville of a guy that was from Ohio had driven down and he came and he said, do you, know, do you want to know my testimony? I said, sure, tell me your testimony. He said, in 1999, I got out of prison after a four-year stint in prison. And he said, and today, God has blessed me. I own 40 rental homes and 10 commercial properties. Wow. I forget all of you own 50 and 20, so it's not impressive to you. But to me, it was impressive. To me, I was like, my goodness. Look what the Lord has done in 23 or 24 years in a man's life that just submits and surrenders his, his way, his will to the Lord. I, I've discovered there can be many reasons why we are slow to obey. There can be many things that come up in our life about why we are, are slow to obey. Okay, the first one is wisdom. And, and both in a, in a good side and a bad side, because in wisdom it can be there can be a balance sometimes that we need to apply some wisdom, right? I talked to a guy earlier this week that he said, yeah, I think I'm going to quit my job. I said, whoa, 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 what are you going to, well, I've had this offer of this job. And I said, okay, that sounds, sounds great. I said, is the job salary or commission? It's 100% commission. I said, is there a way for you to keep your job and take that job? And see if the Lord can help you. There can be some wisdom in the thing. There, there, can, there, can, there can be some, some wisdom from those that are in the past of those that have gone before us. But I've discovered in life that I need to accumulate wisdom from spiritual fathers but not get stuck in old techniques. That I, can, that I can take some stuff from, hey, what's someone's done before or what's happened before. And I, I've had experiences and stories. I'm going to tell some today. But I've also discovered that when we say that the Lord has put something in our heart, but then we're asking him, Lord, should I, should I do that? Should I do that? Let, let, me, let me pray about that. Really, and then we'll say, well, I'm just, I'm just seeking some wisdom. Sometimes it becomes an excuse. Because the word says in James that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give him wisdom. So if you say, Lord, I need wisdom, God says, I'll give you that wisdom. He'll answer that. He'll come, he'll come through for you. But sometimes we can, it can sound so spiritual. Oh, here, let, me give, let me give you another one that's real spiritual of why sometimes we're slow to obey. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord's timing. I'm just, I'm just, just timing. I don't, I don't know. The, the time just didn't right. Well, what time is going to be right? Oh, come on. I've come to be your friend today. 
but in being your friend, I might afflict the comfortable. Because I, I, I want us, I want us to say, listen, I, I come into your church today, and my man, what a church, what a good atmosphere, what a place. But I also come in and I go, Lord, what can you do? Lord, what can you believe for? Lord, what could happen in Bedford, Indiana? Lord, what could happen with students at IU? Lord, what could happen if you pour out your spirit as our pastors prayed in our nation? God, and how do you want to use me to accomplish that? What do you want to, sometimes we can, we can pray, God, would you move? But then if God says, hey, I want you to move. I, I want you to be the one because sometimes timing, well, I'm just, I'm just waiting on the Lord's timing. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Sometimes, you know, I've discovered that God likes to hit a moving target. God's a great skeet shooter. He loves to catch you, and you're going, hey, I'm just, I'm on the move. Have you ever noticed that busy people get more done than people that aren't busy? Because you find someone who's already doing something, and you say, hey, can you help me get this done? Yeah, I'll figure that out. We'll get that done. There's, there's, just, some, there's just some ways and some things that God can stir in our heart and that we can say, well, I'm just, I'm just waiting on timing. Uh, several years ago, now I had the, the great privilege of preaching in the southern part of India, and, and I'm there. It was interesting because I'm in India, and my challenge in this large church, in fact, over 63,000 people physically came to church on Saturday night and Sunday in 13 services. I mean, they're, they're just faces are pressed against the glass waiting for us to dismiss so that they could rush in for the next service. And, and, and an amazing atmosphere. And, and my humble assignment in that atmosphere was I'm supposed to challenge people that feel called to preach, to respond, and I'm inviting the Indian people to give to missions. After, the, after seven services, I walked and saw the stack of papers that were thinner than an average sheet of like typing paper to us, real thin paper, and the stack the stack was about as high as my knee of people that had turned in some kind of pledge and said, we'll give this to missions. And I thought, my goodness, these people have nothing. But then by the time the 13 services had ended, the only time that people responded and came forward to the platform, and it was a high platform like this, but the only time people came up on the platform was if that, he, that the pastor invited them up was if they felt called into ministry. And by the end of 13 services, more than 500 people had stepped onto that platform and said, yes, I feel like God's called me into, into ministry. I am to pursue that calling in my life. But here's what I heard the pastor of that church say, say to them. He said, you have heard God's voice. You have responded by coming to this platform. He said, when you exit the platform, so-and-so will be there enrolling you in our Bible college. Classes start on Tuesday night. Do not go home, and he said, do not go home and pray about it. You have heard from God. Sometimes we're saying, God, I'm just waiting on your timing. I'm just praying about it. Sometimes we're saying, Lord, if you'll provide. Lord, if you will provide. If, if, you'll, if, you'll, just, if you'll just provide. God, if I just, if I, Lord, if I just had a million dollars, then I'd step out in faith. Lord, if I just had that, then I would step out in faith. Let me ask you today, what, what step can you do? 
What account can you open? What budget can you adjust? What, what, can, what, what action can you take to say, well, God, I'm, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to believe. You know, if the Lord says he wants to fill your storehouses, he'll fill your barns with plenty for those that trust in the Lord and those that bring tithe and those that give offerings. His promise is he'll fill your storehouse. Well, then you ought to at least have a storehouse. You ought to at least go, Lord, I'll take five bucks and open a savings account or whatever, and that'll be my storehouse, and I'm going to ask you, God, to fill it and to help me and to take a step of faith and to believe. What, can, what is God asking you to do? What step does he want you to take? What action? We were, we were building a, a church building. My wife and I pastored for, for 25 years. And we were building a, a church building in one location, and I'll never forget, we, I, I was driving past the property one day, and, uh, and, and we, had a, we, had a, we had a good building, we had a good place, it was old, but it was a downtown type building, and, uh, and, and I knew I could have just, just come up with all kinds of excuses and reasons to not do that project, I could have just, eh, we're waiting on the Lord's timing. I wouldn't have been the first pastor of that church that had waited on the Lord's timing. There'd been there'd been a pastor before me that had said, ah, it's not the Lord's time. We we can't afford to we can't afford to build and 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 then he then he went and bought a bunch of TV equipment and started a live television show on Sunday morning. So there was just there was just an attitude of like, yeah, we just can't, we just can't, we just can't. And uh, but I drove past the property one day that had been secured, and the Lord said, I did not call you to maintain the status quo. I said, oh, Lord, I know what that means. But I remember with my board of trustees, we took hands, and we prayed around a table when God had opened some doors, and we said, oh, God, if you'll help us, we'll take a step of faith and we will be a band of brothers and together we will stand and see the enemy defeated and see this building built. And you know what? In the midst, this was, this was in the midst of 2008 in the economic downturn, in the midst of, of five of the top ten givers in the church declaring bankruptcy, in the midst of the person that was, or the, the, the group that was going to buy our old building for $2.8 million, decided not to show up at closing and then turn around and sue us and say, we found some fraction of a contract that you've broken and we not only aren't showing up at closing, we want our earnest money back. And it was all economic related. Did you know that at the end of all of that, God was faithful and there's a 94,000 square foot church building valued at $17 million that sits there today that probably a couple of thousand people have gathered in to worship God today to give him glory when it happened when it should have been impossible. We don't need to make excuses. Why? Because we want to lift the roof off. We're more than a conqueror. So sometimes it's wisdom. Sometimes we make say, well, our timing. Sometimes, well, if Lord, if I if I had all the money I needed, I'd take the step of faith. But then is it really faith? Sometimes it boils down to just fear. Sometimes it boils down to I'm just afraid. 
But perfect love casts out fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Come on, some of you need to confess that and speak that over your life and go, God, you've not given me a spirit of fear. So listen, if, I, if I'm being consumed with fear, it didn't come from you, God. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Come on, Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are bold as a lion. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Look at them real close. Just pick a neighbor to this and put up one hand like this. Kind of make kind of like this. And I look at them and go, it's amazing what you can get people to do. It's amazing. It's amazing when you're the preacher what people will do. Man. But the righteous, the righteous bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. In my life, I've discovered I'm usually more informed than my level of obedience. I'm educated beyond my level of obedience. You know, it's coming up on football season. How many like football? Some of you, it's okay. It's coming up on football season, and if you like it or not, here's what I've noticed about the game of football. I've, I've never, ever, ever heard a commentator in, I mean, back in the days, John Madden or whoever on Monday Night Football football and or uh, you know Tony Romo famous today for his con I've never heard him one time in their commentating go will you look at that huddle Whew. man man the way that they circling up that's impressive man now listen the huddle's important this is kind of like our huddle Pastors invited you. If, you, if, you're, if you're here today, this is kind of like, hey, we want you in the huddle. But what, it, but what is this? This is get the play. This is, this is hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw it. We're going to run it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You go get in that position. You will get in that position. You block this way. You block that way. I'm going to drop back. I'm going to throw the ball. We're going to do this. You're going to pitch it to that person. We're going to do that. Well, we come here. We get together. We get the play. And then we go out and we execute the play. No, not, not one of you are going to watch, watch a football game this, this season and go in. That, man, I tell you what, they, they didn't win a game, but the way they huddled up, whoo, man. Man, they were good. They were good. What if I acted upon all that the Lord had put in my heart as if it was I, I was impossible to fail? Because God's the God of the impossible. God's the God of the impossible. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think about what our older self would say to our younger self. Well, I'd tell myself this. I've, I've been thinking recently about flipping the script and wondering what my 25-year-old Ted would say to my 50-year-old Ted. I think my 25-year-old Ted would go, yeah, keep going for it. Yeah, take a risk. Yeah, step out in faith. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> my wife and I have been walking out an incredible miracle in our, in our life. Our oldest child 
uh, was a prodigal for nine years. I mean, and, and just it's a crazy story. And there were a lot of days we wondered, like, where is he? We don't know. We don't know how to get in touch with him. Oh, that phone number's dead. Can't find him. Oh, is he alive? I mean, any of you parents ever lived like that where you're wondering, like, is our child even alive? But we, we walked into a church service in, in California, and we walked in, and an usher pointed at my wife and said, I've got a word for you. Go, go, go get your seat. I'll come find you. Came and found, found us and, and called our son's name and said, God's turning his heart even though you don't see it. And then said, this was in January, and said, and by his birthday, he's coming home. Let me tell you, so his birthday's at the end of May. Between January and May, there were times that both of us woke up in the morning and we'd be so gripped with fear, we'd be so gripped with, with some kind of anxiety, and, and we would go, oh, oh, Lord. And, we, and, and one of us would say to the other, no, the Lord said, He's working on him, even though we don't see. The Lord said he's coming home before his birthday. I'm here to tell you that his birthday is May the 30th, and on May the 28th, he called and said, you know what, this was last year. He said on May the 28th, he called, and he said, I'm in worse shape than you guys even know. Can I come home? And on, and on May the 29th, he showed up at home, and on May the 30th, we celebrated his birthday. And on May 31st, he entered a facility for getting set free from drugs and alcohol. And it was a place, and, and the rest of the word says, the word was given to us and said, and he will humble himself and his heart will become like gold. On about day 22 of being in that facility, we went for a family appointment. And in the family appointment, the counselor looked at us uh, and or looked at our son and said, it's time for you to humble yourself and pray over your parents. How many know this daddy was undone as, as he came over and he laid his hands on his mom and I and we knelt down and he began to pray over us and just bless us. And I'm weeping. And, uh, and, and I mean, it's just been, it's been, a, it's been a journey of God working in his heart and freeing him. It was about, it was about a, a month or so later after he had come back into our home that he said, I, I want to be baptized in water. And he was baptized in water. It was around that same time that I were in church just worshiping one day. And all of a sudden I hear this heavenly prayer language coming from my right. And we got back in the car and he said, Dad, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost today. And the Lord's filled me with this spirit. But a, a young man, and it wasn't, I said all of that, I laid the groundwork to say that just recently, part of that is there was a gentleman that had said, you owe us money. Our son's name is Zach, said, you owe, us, you, you owe me money. So I've watched him be faithful through jobs that he's had and stuff to try to send this guy a hundred dollars two hundred dollars a hundred dollars and just try to be chipping away at this debt because he said dad I I was kind of so out of my mind I don't know if I really owe him that money or not but I'll just 
submit to the process and say, I'll, I'll just work on paying that debt. It had gotten to the point that he owed about $2,000. And he said to me, this is, this, is, this is the old man in me. He says, I feel like the Lord told me to take money I have in my savings account and just almost clean it out and to send that guy $500. Now, I'm going to tell you, the 50-year-old me went, wanted to say, now, that ain't wise. Now, that ain't what you need to do. Now, why would you do that? And I just went, well, is that what the Lord told you? He said, that's what the Lord told me to do. He sends the guy $500, immediately gets a text back. And he says, consider your debt clear. It's erased. It's done. You don't owe me another dollar. It's just the awesomeness of our God. Romans chapter 8, how do you develop the heart of a conqueror? Verse 31, in view of all this, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God who didn't even keep back his own son but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. Will he not freely give us all things? Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares them not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ Jesus who died or rather who was raised to life and is at the right side of God pleading with him for us. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it or hardship or persecution or hunger or poverty or danger or death? He says, no, as the scripture says, for your sake, we're in danger of death at all times. We're treated like sheep going to be slaughtered. But verse 37, no, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. Come on, complete victory. Victory, complete victory, complete victory, complete victory. I love that, complete victory. Not partial victory, complete victory. So how do you develop the heart of a conqueror? I think you need to realize, number one, a miracle ending starts like this. Once upon a time, there was a need, a crisis, a problem. Once upon a time, I got bad news. Once upon a time, the phone rang, and it wasn't a happy call. Once upon a time, someone was sick. Once upon a time, I was broke. Once upon a time, that's just the beginning of a miracle. That younger version of me, I, did, I can't have a moment where, you see, because I'm just a little bit old enough now that I know that God's got a good track record. How many just raise your hand to say, and say, God's got a good track record? You know, there might be some battles along the way that you thought, mm, I don't know, mm, I don't know. But you just hung on long enough and you've watched God work it out. There was one of those, one of those moments one time. Come on, some of the craziest, the craziest stuff happens in churches, right? I don't. I don't have time to tell you all the details. Just tell you that it was. It was. A, it was a. It was a rough situation, and I had some staff pastor that. One of them was this. I was 23 years old, and I had this. This guy. He'd tell me the only reason why you have 50 year olds in your church is because I'm on your staff. Well, everything kind of imploded and. Him and a bunch of his friends were all leaving the church. 
I, I literally went home that day and I told my wife, I said, this is what's happening. Here was my faith. Sometimes it's just honesty that moves God. Here was my faith. I said to her, I said, well, the budget of the church was already pretty tight. So I said, with all those people and their giving gone, we won't make the bills of the church this month. And I said, it'll just be a matter of time until the bank shows up. And I said, I guess it'll make a nice funeral home. almost a verbatim of what I said. All that happened right at the end of June, so then we had July. If you're, if you're a pastor, you know that sometimes July can be a, a difficult month financially anyway because all you wonderful people are at the lake. And at the end of July, Pastor, the bookkeeper, put a report on my desk. And I looked at a number that was 6,000, well, let me say, so all the people that left with that man accounted for about $11,000 a month in giving. In July, they were all gone. And I looked at a report at the end of July that said there was $6,000 more given that month than any month that year. And I asked the bookkeeper, I said, did someone give a large gift? Did 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 something happen? That did do I need to thank somebody? She said, Pastor, it's the most amazing thing in the world. She said, people that have been coming to this church several years, everybody just started bringing their $50 and their $100 and bringing their tie to the Lord. And she said, and we've got more money than we've ever had. And I heard the God thunder in my heart, and he said this. Son, don't you ever think that man is your source again. Come on, the word says right right before this when it says that, listen, we have complete victory. We are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. We've got complete victory. Verse 28 says, listen, we know that all things work together for good. And I've decided if it's not good, it's not the end. Come on, you ever, you ever made chocolate chip cookies? Come on, there's some stuff in there that you don't like. I thought I'd illustrate it one time for kids. So I had flour, I had salt, I had sugar, I had vanilla, I had chocolate chips, I had eggs, I had all that. And I, and I had kids coming up and I said, hey, take a spoonful of flour. Now see, here, here in a couple of hours, I'll be done preaching. You can go to lunch. That was a joke. Nobody get nervous. But there's not one of you. I, 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 I would, if I had a $100 bill, I'd put it down right now and say, listen, there's not one of you that are, out, that are sitting there today going, man, when this guy gets done talking, I'm going to get me a bowl of flour. Mmm, 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 mmm. Now you add some grease to it in a hot oven and a pat of butter and turn it into a roll and you got something. And life is that way. I had a kid come up and then when the kid took the egg, he threw it up all over the front row of the youth group. That'll mess up a youth service real quick. 
But the point is, is that sometimes there are components in your life that you go, listen, right now this is hard. Right now this is a bowl of flour. Right now this is a teaspoon of salt. But right now, and then God says, oh, no, here's some sugar. Oh, here's some chocolate. Oh, here's all this. Now God says, hey, let's stir all that together. Let's mix it up. Oh, then let's put it in the fire. And what's going to come out is something so good and so great that you can't, you just like, oh, yeah, I want one of them warm chocolate chip cookies. But it's when God works it all together for the good. And when you have that attitude, you'll say, listen, the roof is off of my life. I am more than a conqueror. No matter what God's telling me to do, I can do it. We discover, how do I have a heart of a conqueror? Number two, your words are steering your life. Your words are steering your life. James says to us that our tongue is like the rudder of a ship. And some of us are spending our lives going in circles because all we talk about is defeat. Pastor Skiles imparts some faith on Sunday, but on Monday, we're making a guest appearance on the old show Hee Haw. Anyone remember Hee Haw? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Yeah. Oh. I got, I got a Hee Haw fan right here, man. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Come on, shake that nonsense off in the name of Jesus and rise up and say, I am a child of the living God. He has never failed me, never forsaken me. He never will fail me. He never will leave me. He never will give up. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. He brings prodigals home. He heals sick bodies. He delivers and saves lost loved ones. He is a God that can do the impossible. And he does it through us, through you, sometimes supernaturally. Sometimes there's angels that show up. Sometimes it's someone else. But sometimes you're someone's miracle. And sometimes the greatest way for you to get your miracle is to decide to be someone else's miracle. Number three, be willing to adjust. We read about Joseph, Joseph who was quick to obey. Sometimes he even got up. I mean, one of those right there, verse chapter 2, Matthew 2, verse 14, the, the language says he just got up in the middle of the night. He has a dream in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., and he's going, whoa, we got to get to Egypt. Mary, come on, get up, get out of bed. Come on, pack, pack, your, pack, pack your stuff. Come on, uh, come on, men. You ever tried to get your wife out the door somewhere? No, 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 I don't, I don't want to create marriage fights. Marriage Let's just say 3 a.m., come on, Mary, come on, get up, get up. We, we got to go. Come on, we got to go. We, we, where are we going? We're going to Egypt. We got to get out of here. He was willing to act upon the revelation he'd be given. Even then when he heard that the son of Herod was ruling, when he returned, the Lord said, hey, go back to Israel. And he heard, well, that guy that was after us, his son is now in charge. So he said, hey, I'm not going to go right back where we were. I'll go back. And, and he didn't even go back, quote, unquote, home. He settled in Galilee, the scripture says. Wow. You've got to be willing to adjust. 
Some of us just sit around and complain because it's not like it's always been. Why don't you adjust? Why don't you adjust? How do I develop the heart of a conqueror? Number four, Jesus in me is greater than anyone or anything around me. Come on, it makes a good verse to quote, and we sing it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me. Come on, do you believe it? Come on, we, we treat the world like they've got something. No, we've got something greater. Jesus living on the inside of you. It's more than the words to a song. It's more than a Sunday school memory verse. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's like a lion that wants to roar on the inside of you and to say, listen, you can overcome. You can overcome. Most of the time we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. God's waiting on us. What's he waiting on us? Sometimes he's waiting on us to forgive that person we need to forgive. Sometimes he's waiting on us to go ahead and give that money we need to give. Sometimes he's waiting on us to go open that storehouse. Sometimes he's waiting on us to start that business. He's waiting on us. Oh, God, come through, come through. And God says, hey, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. What else does he need to do in your life? to convince you that you're more than a conqueror. Hopefully it's just a realization. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. More than able. More than able. Nothing. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible mentioned earlier, the Philippines, it's a, one of my closest friends, pastor of the church there, it's an incredible place to get to minister, but every service, every service, they sing the song that's now been around for 20 plus years, nothing is impossible, and there's it's something incredible, so I, I watched this auditorium that if I was preaching there today, it would be like there's 4,000 people over here. And there's 3,000 people over here. And literally, pastor, as you preach, you got to go, and Jesus said. And they do that over and over and over again. But then they, they jump and they sing, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I, I, I tell a lot of stories just because I want to... You know, Jesus told stories, so I guess I'm lucky. I won't just. Like I, I had an experience one time where I, I said, God, I, I want to do something on television. I thought, man, we could do something on television. And it was actually the, had to do with the story I told earlier about the, the pastor buying television equipment. But I, I was like, Lord, I'd like to do some television. I didn't know the story. I didn't know the history at the time. And, man, it was just falling flat. Just falling flat. I had a, I had it in my heart. I said, I, I want to do something called the Word of Hope, and I wanted, I want to do a television program, and I, and I wanted to be on at one o'clock in the morning, Pastor. I, I, our city had a lot of shift change, a lot of, a lot of, and I thought, 
I want to be up when people get off a shift change. I want to be up when they're fighting in their marriage. I want to be I want to be the one when they're in trouble that they turn the television on and they can get me and they can get a word hope. How many think that sounds like a good idea? I th- I thought it, I thought it was a well, I'm glad I wasn't having your you vote on it cuz my word. It would have been me and this one dear lady right here said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. I mean, I thought it was not a good idea. I thought it was a God idea. But I'm telling you, it was just falling flat. Needed to raise some money and have a few people give. It was just falling flat. And I heard the Lord speak to me. Actually, while a missionary was preaching, and I'm sitting about right here, I thought, wait, I heard the Lord say, the TV deal's not working, but what can you do? And just right there on that row, I said, well, Lord, I guess I could maybe do radio. Maybe I could do something in radio. All of a sudden, the Lord just began to drop these ideas in my mind and my heart. And I realized that a few weeks earlier, I had met a guy that was the manager of, of five radio stations. And so I went to him. I said, can I buy you lunch? We went to lunch. Didn't come to my church. I said, hey, I've got a vision for a radio program. I want to call it Word of Hope. I want to be on at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'd like to be on all five of your radio stations, and I'm only going to preach, in this case, the radio said, I'm going to preach for one minute. I'm going to share it for one minute. But when I'm on it at, for one minute at 1 a.m., I want to be on all five radio stations at the same time. And he said, and I said, and I need you to pay for it. I saw him bow his head, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, Lord, here, oh, there, that was pretty stupid of me there. And he looks up and he goes, I, I can't do that, Bill. He said, Pastor, I, I can't do that. He goes, I can do three stations. Would that be okay with you? And I'll pay for it. I said, three stations at the same time, 1 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be called Word of Hope for one minute, and you'll pay for it? He said, oh, yeah, we'll do all the editing of it. We'll produce it. You record it, and we'll put it on. Come on. You adjust. You let God work and do what he wants to do in your heart and in your life. Come on, stand to your feet today. The biggest part of my journey to Indiana today was because I boarded an American Airlines plane. I've discovered there's no real logic as to why a tube of steel filled with people having to be pushed away from the terminal should be able to enter the air and turn a 12-hour journey into a two-hour journey. I looked up, if we trust Google, it says the plane weighs 90,000 pounds. It's filled with 40,000 pounds of explosive liquid. And you add 45,000 pounds, and I've seen a few people on flights that I thought were doing more than their share. 45,000 pounds of passengers, cargo, and crew. 
but you let that plane get on a runway and get to moving at about 150 miles an hour, moving against the wind with its wings in the right position, and it takes off. I want you to lift your hands in the right position today, just up to the Lord. Because the same sign of victory in a fight is also the same sign of surrender to the Lord. And your surrender becomes your victory today. Your surrender becomes your victory today. Father, I thank you today for lives, Lord, in our hearts that get stirred to believe that we can be more than a conqueror today. I thank you today, Lord, that there are dreams that are coming back alive in people's hearts and lives. I thank you, Lord, today there's faith to believe, God, for children to come home. There's faith to believe for a business to start. There's faith to believe for what do you want this church to accomplish? What do you have for this part of Indiana, God? What do you want for our nation, Lord? How can we be a part of that? How can we be a solution? Lord, how can we be a candle lighter instead of just talking about how dark it is? Lord, today we're adjusting ourselves. We're positioning ourselves. We're declaring in words of faith, God, that you're able. You're able. You're more than able. Nothing is impossible. We believe that. We expect that. We know that. We walk in that. We remember right now, come on, someone just begin to think about and put it in your heart and your mind, a time that the Lord's come through for you. Some moment that you thought, oh, I don't know, that was a bad report, but God's come through for you. And if he's done it before, he'll do it again. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, today. I want to invite you, if you're here today, you don't know the Lord, of course we want you to come and know him. If you're here today as well and you say, you know what, I know the Lord, but I've got a dream or I've got something stirring in my heart. I want to believe for something. I want to have boldness to pursue that God has that for my life or there's something waking up or stirring on the inside of me. Maybe that's fear that needs to be canceled. We'd love to pray for you. Love to believe God with you. If you'd come, if that's you, you say, that's me. I want that. I want that. I need that help today. Father, we thank you today. 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 We love you today. We praise you today. We honor you today, Lord. You're a great God today. Come on, step out and come if you want. We'd love to pray for you real quickly this, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We serve a faithful God. We serve a good God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a loving God. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, today. Would you lead us in a song? Would you just worship him?